0: Welcome to Welcome to Primetime, a show covering the Freddy Krueger hosted anthology series Freddy's Nightmares. One episode at a time one episode at a time. I'm not cutting that. This is your peek behind the curtain. I'm Brennan Klein. Uh, every episode is brought to you by donations from listeners like you. You get one new episode for every donation. Please help us keep going by giving to the Okra Project, an organization that is working to feed black trans people in need. Uh, oh, I just, I copied that twice into my notes. Thank you to me. Um, you can find out how to donate in the show notes. Our patron this week is Carmine Mena, who has been a friend of Queer Wolf and a friend of this show and just a general, like, fun internet friend to see out in the world. So thank you to Carmine. Our guest, once again, is horror novelist Aaron Dreis. Uh Welcome back, Aaron. Thank you very much for the invitation. This is a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Look, it's fun. No, okay, I... I was going to say a compliment that was going to demean the show, so I'm not going to do that, but I'm saying any situation that has you in it is automatically fun, so it's redundant what you're saying. Oh, thank you. Uh, and look, it, it puts into context all the
1: effort that I've done to make myself sound Australian. You know, it, 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 it's all paying <laughs> off. <laughs> all
0: the accent lessons.
1: Yeah. Look, seriously, it's, it's, um it's been intense. Intense.
0: <laughs> you went to Australia school, like the cast of Cats?
1: Yeah, yeah, pretty much, and I've been doing it for thirty six years now. Thirty six years—that's
0: <laughs> a lot of dedication,
1: especially for cats, especially for the cuss cats. <laughs> oh yeah,
0: no. Um, for those of you who don't know, Aaron was actually born and raised in Poughkeepsie. <laughs> that, that's correct. That's correct. You can tell probably from my from the way I m- mouth my vowels. <laughs> um, you mean the way that every vowel is twelve vowels? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, look, I mean. You're from Australia. So the accent's a little I don't know, cleaner than like the Kiwi accent, but I've been listening to this podcast from New Zealand. And whenever they say no, it's fully three different syllables. It's nay.
1: Yeah, look look, I, I love the the make believe animosity that exists between Australians and New Zealanders. We'd love to play it up, but yeah, they can't speak for shit. <laughs> uh,
0: no, it's just they—they they take their time. No,
1: I love that. I—I I love New Zealand. I—I could definitely be in New Zealand right now with my New Zealand buddies. It would be amazing. And if not there, then uh, California. <laughs> oh, please look. I will hide you in the attic that I don't have. It's <laughs> just a crawl space. I am a great crawl space guy.
0: I, I'm all for it. I like the dark. <laughs> I like it. You certainly do. <laughs> Look, uh, we're both equally uh, of equally pallid skin tones. Yeah, <laughs> we, we need the dark. Yeah,
1: I, I, I am not a summery dude. Let's put it that way. And and over here in Australia at the moment, it is the dead of winter, and our dead of winter is probably like your spring day. So I'm cold, and uh, but I'm wearing a a freddy krueger themed uh stripy jumper right now or sweater as you would probably say over there so I'm, I'm i'm ready for this i'm very very ready for this episode
0: oh well i'm i'm, I'm so glad you dressed up um <laughs> full full disclosure i am okay i wasn't intending on telling anybody this but i am only in my underwear right now <laughs> I love
1: this tag team wardrobe that we've got going on. I'm wearing the clothes on your behalf so that this podcast can go to air in some sort of reasonable standard. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, exactly. Like it when you average it out, we're perfectly dressed.
1: Yeah, and look, if uh, if people would like to let us know via via Twitter or Instagram or whatever what you're wearing whilst listening to this episode, Brennan and I would really appreciate just uh, we would we would just appreciate it.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, no, look, it's very important. And look, the reason that it is this way is because, as I mentioned last episode, I'm recording at a weird time for me because. Aaron lives in the future. Like it is currently Saturday evening here and it is Sunday afternoon for you. Yeah. At 2.34 PM.
1: Uh, timestamp. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Timestamped. And after this, I'm going to be going to Ikea to buy a desk. So yeah, look, just to, just to week people out in terms of just the time difference. I'm, I'm at a time of the day where I can still schedule
0: doing something, which is a good thing. Yeah. And this is the only thing I have scheduled. So I'm going (laughs) to keep you on for way longer than I need to. Um, But anyway, no. So what I was saying is like, I had to get home from work and like really quickly eat dinner and prepare to record this podcast. And I have this whole situation set up for like COVID protocols where I have like basically a set of work clothes and a set of home clothes. And I usually shower in between transitioning Um, but that hasn't happened. So, (laughs) um, wait, did you, did you eat in your underwear as well? Like, did you just, oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yep. Good. Makes sense. Makes sense. That
0: bachelor lifestyle, baby. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, so I'm currently in that kind of like germ airlock where I was like, my body itself pretty clean and it's been covered fully by all the clothes so it's like i don't want to be sitting around in the clothes and getting the germs everywhere but i didn't have time to shower so i'm just like i'll just i'll just do this look clean body dirty mind just keep it that way yes thank you okay so the episode we're covering today i try to keep these episodes shorter but i knew they were going to be longer with you but (laughs) you're welcome you're Um, welcome thank you uh season one episode 10 the bride wore red Uh, this aired on December 18th, 1988, or as Aaron would know it, December 19th, 1988. (laughs) (laughs) Um, here's what you could have watched instead that weekend. You could have gone to theaters to see I'm going to get you sucker. Oh, wow. I said that the widest way possible. And I was trying to say it better. Yeah. Um,
1: That was very, that was very, yeah. My
0: brain just (laughs) auto corrected, um, to like, purest caucasity look um I- but yes the the wayans brother vehicle <laughs> <laughs> time is a flat circle okay just
1: keep pushing through you can do this <laughs>
0: okay um you also could have watched an extremely white movie dirty rotten scoundrels ah uh,
1: uh frank oz is that the frank oz directed film
0: yes it is ah yoda yoda himself director of
1: of such classics such as uh the stepford wives remake starring nicole Kidman and matthew broderick
0: look we we all know that Frank Oz's career has had its checker check marks on it, <laughs> um, but let's not malign the director of Little Shop of Horrors, nineteen eighty six. Oh, uh, all the Muppets! He's great. I love him. Oh yeah, he is an icon. Uh, you know, maybe after the late eighties, you know, you can keep it. That's fine, um, but. This episode was written by Howard Lakin. He was a producer and writer for Dallas and Falcon Crest. Mm. Um, the director um, is Hungarian. So I will not. I'll, I'll attempt the name with the full um, affirmation that I am getting it wrong. Um, but I think it's George Kajender. Um He has done nothing I've heard of except a couple episodes of Falcon Crest. So, you know, we got some Venn diagram there. Yeah, definitely um the cast here this is about a married couple so it's another two-hander generally we have jessica played by diane franklin um she was in better off dead and the last american virgin but most importantly she was in amityville 2 the possession as the incestuous sister
1: (laughs) oh gosh that's i had no idea that she was in that yes you're correct that's i'm mind blown mind blown! The first of
0: many mind-blowing moments to follow over the upcoming 40, bu- 40 minutes. Oh, my God, <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, as Gavin, we have Eddie Driscoll. This is one of his very first acting gigs. Before this, he only did one other episode of television. Um, but he hasn't done too much, but he was on seven episodes of that show, The Last Ship, which was trying to be a thing. And I think was, but not to people that I know. <laughs>
1: Look, I think, you know, for his benefit, he can sleep well knowing that he has been immortalized in this ode to matrimony that is the Bridewell (laughs) Red.
0: Oh, my God. Which opens in the most wild way possible. Mm. We get more Carnival Calliope music, which is the kind of bedrock of the two episodes that we have watched together. (laughs)
1: Yep, yep.
0: Um. He is performing for a video camera. Basically what looks like... He looks like a magician. He's in front of a curtain. Um, he's introducing his bride, but he's making all these marriage jokes. He's like, the holy padlock. Am I dancing with doom? <laughs> Every time he said
1: marriage, I was thinking of the of um, the priest in The Princess Bride. marriage.
0: Mm. I just couldn't yeah, help it. I thought he was going to yeah just fully go for that, for the yeah, Wallace yeah, Shawn. Totally. Um, but she comes out in her wedding dress, which... You're not supposed to do, especially when you're as traditional a like white straight couple as that. Like normally you're not seeing them in the dress before the wedding. Um Yeah. I also have a question. I and
1: I look, I don't know if you know the answer to this. Do I
0: you... know everything about straight marriage. Ask me uh, whatever you want.
1: All right. Boom, here we go. So do people actually have their bachelor parties the night before their wedding?
0: Uh in my experience, no. <laughs>
1: i would think that that's a terrible idea or is that how people end up fainting at their weddings because they're hungover, and you end up on you know uh america's funniest home video show compilations that i may or may not watch at random times of the year on a
0: loop <laughs> <laughs> um i look it depends on the person I, I imagine that if you're having an event wedding where people are having to travel um Maybe the timeline is kind of compressed because you're fin- you're getting everyone in the same area for only a certain amount of time. Gotcha. gotcha. Um, but look, I, I have only been in the bridal party of weddings and never <laughs> in the groom party because I am a a gay. Um so yeah. I all of my straight friends are women, so you know.
1: <laughs> yeah, fair enough. We should ask their husbands if they ever went to the ball and chain nightclub thing that uh, these guys went to.
0: <laughs> yes. Um, it is bizarre that th- the bar seems to be marriage themed, but <laughs> we'll get there. Um, so yeah, she, she comes out. She's like, he's been making all these jokes about how marriage might be a terrible idea. And she's like, I don't know how I feel about this. And I agree with you, Jessica, because I don't know how I feel about what i don't i don't even i literally don't even know what is happening what who Mm. what who is this videotape for why is he performing a magic show the day before his wedding yeah um but then he says the immortal line i thought you loved me for my sick mind
1: yeah look i wrote i wrote a little note here where which i crossed out initially because i thought his name was kevin not gavin and so i crossed that out and it's just literally dash and it's
0: sick mind that's all i wrote down (laughs) Aaron my notes for this portion of the episode are just me trying to understand what his name is it says if at first it says kevin then it says gavin and then it says kevin question mark. <laughs>
1: and also again like the vhs rip of a rip of a rip like third generation um uh, you know video quality again works against us here because there were moments where i was like there's like somebody gets a stamp on their hand i'm like i have no idea what that says but we will get there we will get there <laughs> but oh, lost well.
0: together uh, yes, so his two friends, one of whom is a black man. So, you know, welcome to the show, a person of color. I think you're the second one. Yeah, look at the diversity. Hashtag diversity. Oh, yeah, we, we've we been doing it since 88, baby. Oh, my gosh. Um, but his friends both talk like they're in a Capri Sun commercial in the 90s. Oh, um, There's like, come on, C- Gavin. I don't remember his name. Ga- <laughs> I wrote it down. Gavin. They're like, yeah, Gavin, you got to get a mistress for the day before your wedding. The ball and chain, man. It's so over the top.
1: And again, it's my David Lynch fan brain that basically views the world in that way where I'm like, wow, they're talking in like completely disconnected sentences that have no bearing. And as though they're only talking to themselves and not to other people. It's so David Lynch. No, I actually just think it's really bad. <laughs>
0: there is a fine fine line
1: yeah and look there is a line in there where Gavin um, uh, Gavin Kevin basically says I'm 22 maybe I'm too young to get married and I'm like you are not
0: 22 that was the <laughs> biggest twist of this episode to me was yes. that he was supposed to be 22. I
1: was like Mm-mm, you are not a 22 year old although those years those formative years in Springwood Ohio have been rough on you.
0: Oh yeah, I mean he must have grown up on the wrong side of the tracks, just like uh, Connie have. from last episode.
1: Hey, look, if there's anything that that is that I've learned from this episode is that the pressures of matrimony and of and and of uh, straight monogamy uh, age you prematurely.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, the, I mean I can only assume. Um, <laughs> He does decide to have one last fling at the ball and chain bar. We cut to Freddie in his liminal space. Uh, maybe my favorite Freddie moment of the series so far. He's at a DJ turntable. He's wearing cool shades and headphones. Yeah. <laughs> and he says something about, I don't know, some music pun that I don't even remember because I was just thinking, like, I need a gif of this moment. Why have I never seen this before?
1: Yeah, I was, I really uh, got a kick out of this one. And I think the line was something like, it's time to face the music. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And that look, it's, it's lame, but at least it's coherent. And again, maybe we're on an upswing in terms of the cognitive dissonance that Freddie is having in this nowhere space. You
0: know, it, it's at least sentences. It makes sense. Oh, yeah. And also, um, not to get too ahead of myself, but in this episode, like, the, from start to finish, Freddy seems fully aware of what's going on in this episode. Mm. Um, he's uh, giving us a a lot of looks, a lot of different, like, a lot of prop work that's actually appropriate and fun and wild. And I, I think he did, you know, 10 out of 10, Freddy. Great job. This is the first time he actually, like, showed up. Well done. And that's including the episodes that he starred in. <laughs> He may have started it, but he did, wasn't interacting with anybody in any
1: capacity. Absolutely not.
0: <laughs> um, okay, so, get, uh, Kevin has a dream about... Or, like, a daydream, I guess, about men taking a number to fuck his fiance. Why um, is sex like going to the deli? I don't understand. <laughs> I kind of liked that. <laughs> like, I, I know we were supposed to be horrified, but I felt, like, very empowered for her in that moment, almost. <laughs> yeah, Definitely. Cause she, she was kind of, she was behind this curtain and her hair was even bigger than normal. And I think she was just like, luxuriating. Yeah. Um, And then this woman at the bar turns around and she looks like his wife. And first, and did you ever see the television show, Sabrina, the Teenage Witch? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I remember the talking cat. (laughs) Um, yeah.
0: In the first couple seasons, Sabrina had a best friend named Jenny, who her hair looks exactly like the wife's hair in this episode, which is just like very kinky, curly brown hair that is just an enormous, beautiful waterfall. That's that is an angelic description. <laughs> Thank you. I hope
1: somebody one day talks about my hair in that in in such similar terms. <laughs>
0: I mean a different I, there'd be more uh like ginger related adjectives and metaphors probably yeah yep true true i can deal with that i can live with that in my cross in
1: my crawl space <laughs>
0: yeah it's like his uh his cayenne pepper hair gleamed in the sun
1: <laughs> that he was trying to avoid and running into the shade <laughs> yeah he
0: was shrieking and running inside <laughs>
1: Uh, I ran straight into the ball and chain and i and i partook in a in a discotheque in which there's obviously no music being recorded in the studio and you can hear everybody's swishy shoes over the dance <laughs> beat which I really love about these type of things I love crowd sequences where you can hear the sound of people's clothes rustling over the beat <laughs> amazing
0: oh it's it is intimate it is a pseudo um, beat 101 uh yeah yeah um but yeah so everyone ends up wearing these scary mannequin masks and he kind of tries to escape but his friends sit him down on a chair and the stripper from hell shows up um this character is my favorite character of this episode like she, bar none
1: oh my god she's obviously the president of the sean young fan club she's amazing
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah she well she shows up in this feather boa she's fully she is She's a bio queen. She's a drag character. Yeah, totally. Um, she is like a, a stripper, but instead of stripping off her clothes, she's stripping away his delusions about marriage. So that's beautiful. <laughs> oh yeah, it, it's a solid. It's a solid metaphor, I think. Definitely. Um, and so she's like, sexy dancing and flipping her hair around while just really brutally lacerating him, um, pointing out all of his deepest fears and insecurities. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the thing that I love about this episode is this kind of
1: launches us into a really kind of like a a really interesting uh, deconstruction of what people actually think loyalty and matrimony means in a manner that I don't think literally was... explored quite so deeply including the whole idea of a thought crime that you haven't actually done anything but your insecurities lead into this journey odyssey that continues on and on until stanley kubrick made eyes wide shut in 1999 okay which will not be will not be the last of my stanley kubrick illusions before we
0: get to the end of this episode oh no (laughs) all right i'm ready um but yeah, so she she do, I mean she is taking off her own clothes to a degree, um, but you know it's television. Yeah. Um, but she she does strip down to this kind of lingerie nighty thing, and it's gorgeous. Mm. Um, yes. It's got it, it's it's got all the like look I I'm no lingerie expert, but it's got that the like piping along the sides. Um, she looks like a beautiful cake.
1: Look says the guy podcasting in his underwear right now.
0: Yeah, well look it's it is not lingerie it does have pineapples on it though oh bless um anyway um so we cut to the wedding um her rich dad has decided to make uh Kevin the vp of marketing even though he clearly doesn't want to be um can you imagine look marriage
1: i will look if you're going to give me a gigantic promotion as a wedding present and then you're going to give me twenty thousand dollars as a wedding gift on top of that
0: i would probably be a little bit more grateful especially if that person thinks that i'm an asshole (laughs) oh yeah he's like well i can't have my daughter married to some grease monkey like in the last episode (laughs) (laughs) amazing um but during the wedding okay correct me if i'm wrong because again the kind of low quality i wasn't totally sure this was the same actress but the stripper actress does show up as this real life character right yeah yeah sean young is back
1: in a very very under populated uh wedding sequence in which there is literally more smoke atmospheric smoke than people at this wedding which will be strongly contrasted when they go outside and there's like a thousand people and a billion pieces of confetti
0: they were all. They were all just waiting outside. They all. It was a standing room only outside. Exclusive think, VIP zone
1: inside the church. I think it was limited standing. Covid wedding approved. Social
0: distancing. Uh, you know, in place. Obviously. I could, yeah. I mean, really. Again, ahead of their time. Very. Ahead um, of- but yeah. So the stripper, who's... this character's name is Red, appropriately, she shows up in a beautiful red dress with this thick black belt across it and a big red hat with a black band, and uh, I love this character um but so yeah she goes into the church for this sparsely attended wedding which is just whatever grips weren't doing anything at the moment that they grabbed to be in the pews yeah they look highly flammable those bridesmaids dresses and it really was stressing me out because they were standing too close to the candles i was very nervous throughout this sequence (laughs) it was flashbacks to the sorority sequence from last time oh gosh um so yeah um red is sitting in the pews and he cannot take his eyes off of her she does the basic instinct leg cross a couple times
1: yeah sharon stone eat your heart out
0: mm-hmm. um where's paul so- verhoeven when i need him <laughs> where where is he? he's somewhere in europe probably I in think- a castle dungeon somewhere yeah def he's definitely in a castle yeah i, I don't see anything else for him <laughs> um so they they go outside to where the masses were waiting <laughs> um this is part of i guess the springwood cast system these are the these are like the connie people from the other side of the tracks who weren't allowed inside the wedding
1: oh uh, uh, look none of these people got off the um off the
0: titanic alive that's for sure <laughs> <laughs> yes uh they were all just cuddling in bed as the water was <laughs> um,
1: look we've got paul for Ho- paul and a james cameron reference in in the same episode i'm impressed Look, this is this is what you get when you combine the two of us. <laughs> I look. I, it would be remiss of me not to draw attention to the celebrant um, in the wedding sequence before we move on, who basically says that the purpose of marriage is procreation, and yeah. uh, which I think is interesting in terms of the direction that this uh, this episode kind of takes. In which, and it's jumping ahead a little bit, but um, like you know, her, her parents. What's her name? The main character, Jess. Jessica. Yeah, Jessica's father is like you. Are, I've given you away now. Um, you you're independent, and I don't need you anymore. Anymore. <laughs> i have fulfilled my purpose as a married person i have procreated and made you got you to marrying off age and now by felicia
0: yeah no it's it's very jane austen It is. Yes, um yes. okay so they're, they're outside everyone's throwing the rice and whatnot um his just married car he sees it as a prison bus oh also um his, i forgot his his he picks up the cake topper at one point and it's in oh i need to go back to a bunch of stuff i skipped while while red was stripping for him he was sitting in an iron maiden like the the big like coffin shaped situation where they close the doors and the doors have the spikes that poke you it Um, was driving
1: me insane trying to remember what that contraption was called i was just calling it a stabby closet
0: (laughs) it's a much better name If 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 the person who named the orange, um, if if the Iron Maiden was what showed up and on their desk that day, that's what it would be called. <laughs> um, but yes, so he picks up his cake topper, and it's a miniature Iron Maiden that pricks his finger. And I was like, "Oh, that's a cool image. I'm into that." Yeah, yeah. I, I, um, I love I love a cool little metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think it's a metaphor. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Like for sure. this show does really swing for the fences on the metaphors it mostly it doesn't so much miss as it just drops the bat entirely yeah um but it 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 tries yeah yeah um then we cut to like six months later um he's ironing while she's on a stationary bike which is i guess what straight people do
1: Uh, look i all i know is that it's been 15 days and one hour since they've approximately last
0: had sex (laughs) yes which is not the worse. It could um, be worse. Yeah, like it'll be fine. Yeah. Um and also the light outside the window is cherry red. Yeah, yeah,
1: I know. It's it's quite it's uh, have they you know, in six months from now the apocalypse has settled in? I don't know. All I know is that she wants to have sex at the point of maximum ovulation, which I'm pretty sure was a Stephen King
0: movie, right? Maximum <laughs> ovulation. Oh, it took it took me a second, <laughs> but congrats, good job. <laughs> I think we can actually just shut this podcast down
1: right now knowing that we've reached peak (laughs) um
0: but no we have to finish this episode there is some good stuff coming up
1: yeah like Uh, like the like the fettuccine to lean cuisine metaphor (laughs) which is the way in which he sees his marriage
0: after six months oh my my god it is like truly look we knew that these people weren't right for each other look he's he's 22 aka a springwood 35 and Mm. you know he's got his whole life ahead of him and he just doesn't know what he wants um so anyway they fight he goes to the ball and chain bar he meets red again um she takes him home to her apartment which has fully red walls and there are a bunch of picture frames with red inside of them mm-hmm. and i love it <laughs> yeah yeah and then he she proceeds to just
1: trap him and and, and whips him into submissions and basically uh into a point where he has no point but to to commit only to her or die maybe but it was all a dream i'm not sure
0: yeah this uh, this kind of ending of it didn't make sense and then we just kind of move on as if it never happened so i was i was happy to do that honestly hey we get we get my favorite freddie moment then yes do you want to Go. tell me about it
1: no look so he's basically sitting he's standing there he's got a bouquet of flowers um right somebody throws him the bouquet i can't remember yeah he catches uh, the bouquet yeah he catches the bouquet and he's pulling you know she, she loves me she loves me not and then the bouquet of flowers explodes into flames and an
0: end scene it is so fun. Anything. And uh, you might notice that um, when he's plucking the flowers, he's holding the bouquet normally, but right before it explodes into flames, he is holding it out like at full arm's length because of course he would. Um, but it's just, it's a very clear, I don't know, kind of stunt effect that it was it, amusing to me. It's, it's one of many very effective I Dream of Jeannie jump cuts throughout this
1: episode. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs>
0: um okay so in this second one we're focusing on jess now um they have now just gotten home from their honeymoon because much like uh 2020 time means nothing in these episodes we just keep bouncing back and forth yeah (laughs) and i'm fairly certain this is lax right it
1: looks like lax oh oh you mean their apartment no the airport that they fly into but (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> their their, oh. apart, their apartment is also
0: sparsely populated and 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 grimy, so it could be lax as well. Well, yeah, no, their apartment does look like the VIP lounge at an airport. It's very big and spacious and windowy in the entryway, and yeah. the out the exterior, like what you can see through the door, which she leaves open when they walk in, which drove me nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it looks like it it looks like a airport concourse. It doesn't look like a, a residential street. Um, Absolutely, and he's aged at least another ten years. <laughs> so yeah, again, time is a flat circle. He's just he has come unstuck. This is where he is right now. <laughs> um, so yeah, they, they got they get ho- they've been home for two minutes. Her dad already calls to basically demand their presence at dinner that night. She clearly has extreme daddy issues, and Kevin's like, "Don't let him get to you." And she's like, "He always does this." And she storms at the door that she conveniently left open. So you know, good for her. Um, I I love the Jennifer Connelly in Labyrinth vibes
1: that she's giving off throughout the rest of this episode, which is like, he has no power over me. It's
0: amazing. Yeah. No, this, the, the, the female presence in these episodes, like when they're asked to go like into full hysterics is always solid. Um, Okay. So she goes to this bar, presumably at a hotel. We need to break down the scene, Aaron, because... She goes to a bar called the Carving Knife, but we spend a good ten seconds before she enters watching a man on the a ladder hang the sign for the carving knife. Um, um it's it's ridiculous. And also, how many indoor plants are there in this
1: in this place? And they're all dangling precariously over people's heads. This is a massive work
0: health and safety issue. Yes. And I just what it it seems like they've just opened, or I thought it was like I was like, is this well because it's so stage bound and it's clearly like inside some sort of hangar that they try to dress up to look like a bar um maybe they did shoot at lax <laughs> maybe they did um but it, the back wall of the bar is just a curtain with the plants so it it's definitely there's definitely open space beyond that yeah um but i was like is this a theatrical production is this a stagehand putting up the sign um but no oh. it is a bustling bar that a bunch of people have already gathered in it's clearly already operating and i was just like why did why was this included i have no idea look i'm just considering it as like a kind of a hipster pop up joint you know it's 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 a work in progress it's absolutely mystifying yeah but she does go in and she meets a man with the most spectacular mustache Um, I have written down a Lionel
1: Richie mustache and mullet man with olives, which just so you know, note to all listeners, when you seductively try to eat an olive, it's never as sexy as you think.
0: (laughs) Also, olives are disgusting. It's just, it's not the right move. Not the right move. Not the right move. Nothing pickled should be involved in your love play.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Or or, or eating a banana. Never as sexy as you think as it looks in your head.
0: (laughs) Very true. (laughs) moving on next scene (laughs) yes um she she meets this man with a spectacular mustache she uh takes him back to his hotel room and she promising young woman's him um i mean we haven't seen the movie yet maybe never will maybe um but i've seen the trailer plenty of times (laughs) um she ties him to the bed um she takes a, a polaroid of him and then she calls his wife and says well first of all she opens his wallet and finds his home phone number inside his wallet which i don't know if that happened in the 80s but it's certainly not happening now no i don't i don't know is it like a business card i don't
1: understand um i, I just love that she kind of full-on gone girls him and is
0: basically doxing him
1: you know with these polaroids
0: yeah she she calls his wife and says do you know your husband's cheating on you you can find him at the springwood hotel over here and i'm like wait if he's on a business trip his wife has to probably take a flight to go collect her husband while he just languishes handcuffed to this bed oh good point good point yes um but so yeah she she comes home she takes the polaroids and puts them in this scrapbook of daddies that she has Um,
1: am i correct in reading like
0: you know so she's done this multiple times so she's basically a serial sex abuser
1: (laughs) is that am i reading that right
0: yeah well no she she gets revenge on men who are cheating on their wives and and doxes them
1: Uh, i wonder what led to that you know that psychological damage we may find out shortly
0: Potentially. I mean, honestly, it's surprising that we find out anything about the psychological interiority of characters in this show. So good, um, good for this episode. The, the flashback sequence is a thing. Ooh. Oh, we'll get there. we she takes a bunch of pills and drinks from this huge unlabeled water bottle. That's just sitting on her dining room table. <laughs> um, we cut back to Freddie, he's in the giant Jack in the Box, and he's like, oh, Pop Goes the Weasel, that song really carves a place in your heart. And I was like, oh, that's the least relevant line, but also I love the Jack in the Box thing. It's cool. It's really cool. Um, okay, so while she's asleep, she has a flashback slash dream of her as a child in the most just quintessential like capital l capital g little girl dress like th- it frills out the wazoo mm-hmm. with a little teddy bear yeah she's all ribboned up yeah um but she sees her dad pulling another woman that isn't her mother into the room and then she walks in she's like papa who is this woman <laughs> um i love your little any orphan you know orphan any <laughs> voice it's really good thank you <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, basically she sees him cheating. He kind of chases her down and punishes her or well, he's going to spank her, but then she hides and it gets very dreamlike. They're walking through this kind of fun house twisted kind of thing. Hey, slow motion. I really appreciate that. And he's like, "I'm going to smack you with the paddle."
1: And then he comes out of the room, and he actually has a ping pong paddle. And then he goes that they they emerge into this sewer scene, uh, which is just I, I appreciated the the actual nightmare on Elm Street vibe of this descent into superfluous
0: dream logic. I appreciated it. Oh yeah, and also like you get the point of that. Like, this is the most coherent dream sequence we've had in the show, where yeah. it's it's obvious that she is remembering an actual event that happened, but it's through the prism of a dream, so those details keep kind of sliding in and out of reality. Yeah, and it's got that kind of Alice in Wonderland vibe to it, which
1: makes sense, because she's a, a, a small child trying to figure out an adult world that makes no sense
0: to her, one paddling at a time. Ooh. <laughs> that's, that's the back of... a. Uh debbie does wonderland vhs look Um, everything about this entire series is just is just a a smidge away from porn oh yeah (laughs) um but yeah so basically oh well speaking of we do see her as an adult in the little girl dress which is also like a cool image it's nifty um yeah she's talking to the dad he's basically saying like you cannot tell your mother because something horrible will happen we'll get divorced and she imagines all these horrible things and essentially he's like well, one of us will move out and we'll have to split you. And she's she imagines a whole King Solomon thing where he's using like an electric carving knife to cut her in half. It's pretty good. I like this sequence a lot. Oh, yeah. No, it's... This episode is maybe great? <laughs> it might be great, actually. Jury's out. We'll find out. We'll find out. Um, but yeah, so she wakes up. She and Kevin go to the dinner with her parents. Um, they eat this disgusting disgusting rare roast beef that is just bleeding onto the plate i'm fairly certain this is the exact same
1: uh slab of roast beef that was in the last episode as well and it is fully like there's rare and then there is i think this cow was still mooing like only minutes beforehand it's disgusting
0: yeah it was just you know he put on he he got freddy krueger's glove and just ripped out a piece of meat just right off the cow pretty much um, so at this dinner, they do the parents announce that they are they are getting divorced, and she melts down. Yep, she's like, "Take it back! I won't let you get divorced." She basically tells her dad, "Like I kept my promise." And, and it's actually kind of a nifty psychology of you know, it's a dumb TV show, but it's like she has her entire life in her mind been putting in the work to keep the secret and keep her parents together, and she's put all of that responsibility on herself. Um, so when they finally do get divorced for different reasons, she cannot handle it. And she snaps. Yeah. And then she, Jennifer Connelly's her way out of the building, <laughs> <laughs> which is how I
1: aspire to leave or enter a room at any given time. And, oh yeah, uh, And I'm impressed. I'm impressed
0: so far. Yeah, and just the the kind of mania of this scene it's it's very Texas chainsaw dinner party sequence. Oh, yes. Oh,
1: to- don't say that. Toby's listening. Toby Toby is like, "Damn it, I should have put some of those vibes in the episode that I actually directed."
0: Yeah, no, it's true because I was like, "I I wish his fingerprints were on here so I could point to that and be like, "Hey, Toby Hooper." But no, this is just this Hungarian dude, but he is pulling a Toby Hooper like to the extreme. Yeah. Um, it ends up that the, the mustache guy is in her back seat and he ties her up and then he takes the electric knife and cuts her in half, yada, yada, yada. Um, we're back to Freddy. He's covered in chains on a bed. He's like, the chains of love, indestructible. And then he bites one in half and he says, and tasty too. Yeah, look, it, there. Were, this could
1: have been in an alternate universe, somewhat sexy. Up until the point he's like, mmm, it tastes good. I'm like, oh, pretty speak less.
0: <laughs> no, uh, as, as I discussed when my good friend Shan was on the show, like, Freddy has not progressed past the oral fixation stage. Yeah, yeah, he's just basically a big baby. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, I guess if you count, like, this is still kind of the beginning of his afterlife right like because yeah. maybe he was kind of reborn as a dream demon so he's still kind of progressing through those stages again so he's he's spiritually teething is what you're saying i like that that makes <laughs> <Yes>. sense <laughs> exactly
1: which which will you know feed in quite nicely into is it 1988's uh, the dream child
0: which would be coming out imminently i would imagine uh yeah at least it was probably at least six months after this episode but pretty right. soon okay cool right very nice Yeah. So, so Aaron, what are your final thoughts about this episode? Was it a dream? Was it a nightmare or did it put you to sleep? Well, it definitely didn't put me to sleep. How Um, could it?
1: How could it possibly? It's probably not the, uh, this is a little bit harder to kind of pin down because I'm not quite sure if it's um, solid or if it's kind of maybe a little bit amazing. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It's ambitions are lofty at most and but you know for the dream sequence alone and the attempted logical psychology of following this this woman through plus the the Lionel Richie mustache and the olive sex uh oh yeah I, and that I, guy I, is hot yeah 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 I'm like you can jump up in the back seat of my car any day um and he's uh, I'm, I'm gonna go that this one was a dream I think this is a, I'm happy with
0: I'm confident I'm doing it it's a dream yeah believe in yourself I'm believing um, in myself I'm also calling it a dream um, this episode was really fun. Yeah. And generally my experience has been because I have generally been doing these recordings in groups of two. Um, mostly I usually enjoy the first episode and am neutral to dislike on the second episode. And that might just be in the way that I'm watching them in pairs or that there is kind of a curse on the even numbered episodes that they're just not the best. Yeah. Um, but this one has broken that streak The interstitials are what I've always wanted. Like, Freddy is really present in this episode and having fun. This was a great episode.
1: Yeah, and it's kind of interesting, again, kind of thinking back to my memories of this show in which I had no interest in the standalone episodes and was like, give me, like, the actual story plot lines that continue through the the, the Freddy Krueger mythology. And the rest, I was like, yeah, whatever. But (laughs) upon uh, reviewing, there's actually some fairly decent... uh, Anthology horror nuts and bolts in this show
0: that I don't remember upon first viewing at all. So it's just good This is good yeah. And, like, of course, you know, take it with a grain of salt. This is Freddy's Nightmares we're talking about. Never forget. Yeah. Um, look, yeah.
1: Please don't, please don't go into this going, wow, these guys. Uh, firstly, it must be really peculiar to listen to this podcast without having seen what we're talking about. And then to get the the praise disparity that happens when you finally <laughs> log into Dailymotion and go, hmm, right. I'll have, <laughs> yeah. what, I'll have what they're having.
0: <laughs> it's like we. I think you were the first uh, guest I've had that has actually seen the show before. So you and I are both on the same footing of having seen enough of these to know what the difference is between a good one and a bad one.
1: Yeah, 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 for sure.
0: (laughs) Um, But yeah, okay, let's remind everybody, where can they find you out on the internet? Uh,
1: Please feel free to drop me a line on Twitter uh, at Aaron Dries, or you can uh, just hit up my website, aarondries.com, and uh, feel free to check out my stuff it's all on amazon that's kind of the easiest place to kind of get it i guess and um yeah hit me up i'm interactive online and i love meeting new people and uh, i just wanted to say this has been a real (laughs) a real joy talking to you is always fun but i was surprised by how deep i could have (laughs) analyzed these these particular episodes Uh, it's it's been enjoying enjoyable it's good (laughs) (laughs)
0: it has been and thank you again so much for coming it has been it has been enjoy (laughs) (laughs) look i get look um at the end of a podcast a double podcast recording the fact that you're saying full sentences is shocking
1: Look, again, and we came to this kind of conclusion at the end of the last episode, which is that it's appropriate at the end of each of these podcasts for us to not make sense in the same way that uh, that Freddy Krueger himself hardly makes sense. But the last two episodes have proven that they're actually making an effort. So you need to workshop your closing line and, I, and I'm happy to brainstorm my ideas with you online, offline, whatever is appropriate.
0: Okay. um, Well, I am going to go through our credits really quick and then give you the synopsis of next episode. But while I'm doing that, I'll look around for props that I can try to use for my closing line. Beautiful. Beautiful. Um, Okay, every episode is brought to you by donations from listeners like you. Please help us keep going by donating to The Okra Project. You can donate through the link in the show notes, take a screenshot of your receipt and send it to W2PTPod at gmail.com or DM it to me on social media. You can find me on Twitter at brands and Instagram at TheBurningClem. Our artwork was created by Henry Hall. If you'd like to support trans artists, and you should, you can send him a commission at henryhall.design. Our theme song is Living in a Dream by pseudo echo and they're they're from uh, your neck of the woods aaron by the way
1: yeah they are somewhere down here i'm not exactly um, sure i'll put it i'll put out my senses i'll see if i all right it's like that episode of the simpsons where you guys outside to get a cup of sugar and just keeps running and running and running and running uh, i'll find them i'll find them
0: no in the same way that you find jamie blanks just go on your front porch and shout shout out their names and you'll find them oh look if he if he shouts
1: back he's like employ me <laughs> 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 and i agree um, i agree that,
0: that was actually a podcast crossover with the keep screaming podcast check them out that was terrific Um, fun too but also rate and review us on wherever you listen next episode episode 11 we're covering uh this is a great title it's called do dreams bleed um this episode is about a young football star begins to have nightmares about a serial killer called the springwood chopper after finding his last victim so that sounds fun it also sounds like the opening plot to Wes Craven's Shocker. It actually does. It, it is Shocker plus Elm Street, which is honestly what he wanted Shocker to be. So. And sadly did not happen. <laughs> <laughs> it did not. But by failing, it it, it failed upwards. It is a spectacular I, movie.
1: Oh, I love Shocker.
0: <laughs> um, but yes, until next time, uh, I have these eye drops that I found. Uh... Don't cry. We're going to be back soon. Uh, See you on Tuesday.
1: (laughs) Bye-bye, everybody.